Um, I was uh, the one who had the privilege of putting that video together, and I've seen it quite a few times now, and I, I still can't watch it without getting really <laughs> choked up. It's just incredible, isn't it, to see all of those lives just transformed Amen. for Jesus. Because, you know, that's what it's about, really. You know, that's what we're all about. We're about reaching people with the life-changing love of Jesus. And we really wanted to show that after the testimonies we've heard this morning, um, just to, to put a rubber stamp on it. And there are so many more um, that could have been used in that video. I, there's too many to fit into. That was seven minutes, believe it or not. Um, and it, if you haven't been baptized yet, we do have a service coming up um, next month. So please speak to us. I don't want to speak to you for a long time this morning because we've heard... A lot of voices already today. We've heard many wonderful testimonies of God's goodness to us over these past 25 years. And I get the impression if we'd operated an open mic this morning, we'd be going on for many more hours as well. We serve a good, good God. We have a wonderful Father. And if you take nothing else away from this morning than that, then I think that's okay. Um, But I was praying and I was thinking this week about what I might share in summary of all of the stories that we've heard this morning. And I didn't know exactly what people were going to say, so I've been trusting that God has given me the right message, and I believe he has. I was reminded of a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. It's a conversation that takes place in Matthew and Luke, but I just want to read it to you this morning from Matthew. And it's in chapter 9, verse 35, and this is what it says. Jesus travelled through the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now, in the past, I've, I've found this scripture to be slightly odd. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to those that are learning to be like him, to do the things that he does, to follow in his footsteps. So why does he not say to them, the harvest is great and the workers are you? Off you go. You're my A-team, get on with it, tell people about the kingdom. And those of you who know the Bible might say, well, he does, doesn't he? And you're right. In fact, the next chapter in Matthew, he sends the 12 out and he says, go and tell them that the kingdom of heaven is near. And in fact, um, in Luke's version of the story, he doesn't just send the 12, he sends out 72 of them. The harvest is great, the workers are few, so I'm sending out you 72. But in both cases, the first thing he tells them to do is pray. The first thing he does is say, pray. Why might that be? Well, I believe that the reason, asks them to, the reason Jesus asked them to pray first is because before they could reach out further, they needed reminding of who it was that they belonged to. So I just want to unpack that just for a few minutes this morning. We're told in verse 36 that Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion on them. And that's a wonderful word, compassion. It's not a word that we use enough. But in the Greek, the original language Matthew was given to us in, the word is even more fun. It's the word splunknizomai. Okay? (laughs) Amazing word to say. And it literally means to be moved as to one's bowels. Gross, right? 
But in ancient times, the bowels were thought of as the, seat of as the seat of love and of pity. So you might say that when Jesus saw the people, he had a deep feeling of love and pity towards them. You might say it was gut-wrenching. The message gives a more up-to-date parallel when it says Jesus saw the crowds and his heart broke. His heart broke for them. And as it broke for them, it moved them into action. Because you see, when you're moved to your bowels, you know there's an action that must follow. <laughs> and Jesus uses this word, splunknizomai, in his stories. If you've been with us the past few weeks, you know we've been looking at Jesus' stories. And two of his most famous stories, he uses this word. The story of the prodigal son. As the son returns home, it says that the father is filled with compassion. And what does he do? He runs to his son and he embraces him and he kisses him and he welcomes him home. And he uses it in the story of the good Samaritan. As the Samaritan finds the man half beaten and lying dead in the road, it says he has compassion on him. And he picks him up and he, he treats his wounds and he carries him to the inn and he pays for his treatment. And you see, for Jesus, compassion always leads to an action. But where does that compassion come from? Well, again, in verse 35, we're told that Jesus recognizes there is something missing from people's lives. They're described as confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, they don't know who it is that they belong to. They're wandering the fields aimlessly, pray for any wolves that might come by. And there's a spiritual reality that Jesus is aware of. The people are coming to him for healing, physical healing, but the thing that breaks his heart, the thing that gets to him is that these people are lost, that these people don't know who they belong to. His compassion comes from a place of wanting for others the same thing that he has, his relationship with his Father. He wants people to connect with their Heavenly Father and so experience that life-transforming love. And so then we come back to his instruction to his disciples. And I think the reason Jesus asks his followers to pray first to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest is because he wants his followers to see what they have that others do not. So that when, and it is when, not an if, when he sends them out, they too will be filled with that compassion. Now this morning we've had an incredible trip down memory lane haven't we? And we've enjoyed reminiscing together and we've heard some incredible stories and been reminded of God's good goodness to us. And I feel very privileged to have been a part of it. But if we leave today with nothing more than a warm feeling and a smile on our face, then I think we've missed something really important. You see, we're reminded of the difference that God has made to our lives so that our compassion for others would increase. This isn't heartwarming, it's bowel moving. There's an action to follow. And you know, our mission statement is to reach Tamworth with the life transforming love of Christ. And there's a deliberate statement of action in there, isn't there, that we would reach out. We could have made the statement just to love Tamworth, but we might get the feeling that all we need to do then is continue to meet together and talk about how wonderful Jesus is. But Jesus wants us to be moved into action. He wants us to go into the harvest to gather it in to find new ways of reaching out to this community, to this town. We've already heard about Lighthouse that's starting next week, a new door opening for us, a new way of reaching out. 
We're currently running our fourth Alpha course in 18 months. You might not be aware, but at the start of this term, we added another youth group on a Friday night because the kids that were coming were too old and they didn't want to leave. Not kids that you would see here on a Sunday morning, but kids that need to know the love of Jesus in their lives as well. We are constantly on the lookout for new ways to reach out to people. You know, we've got a church of around 200, certainly more than that here this morning. It's perhaps one of the biggest in the town, but Tamworth has a population of 77,157. Unless anyone was born at the weekend that I don't know about. (laughs) The harvest is certainly plentiful. So this is the challenge that I want to just present to you this morning. Do we want for them out there what we've found in here? Do we want for them out there what we have found in here? And I want you to know this morning that as of last week, we've been granted planning permission for our extension, our annex at the back, which will eventually allow us to extend the auditorium. It's not big enough for (laughs) 77,000 yet. You know, it's been a wonderful 25 years, and we're so grateful to Steve and Judy for their leadership during that time, and we're going to thank them properly in just a minute. But the point is, we're not done yet. There is so much more for us. So I want us to use this morning um, as an opportunity to pray to the Lord of the harvest, to ask him to send more workers, while at the same time to be reminded that we are those workers. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. So I'm sending Tamworth Elam, and that includes you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every incredible testimony that we have heard this morning of your love to us, of the way that you've changed our lives, of the way that you've taken us from a place of hopelessness and desperation to a place of hope and fulfillment and joy. But Father God, now would you break our hearts for those who don't know you. Father, would you remind us of every good thing that we have been given by you in order, Father, that we may go from this place and continue to reach out to those that don't know you yet, those who are lost, those who are like sheep without a shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.